0: Fortunately, the guy who's going to be heading up our Legacy Dream Team, our trustee Eric Hepfer, uh, who's been very excited. God spoke to him a few months ago about really taking the lead on this whole Dream Team and building it and and pioneering it and working with it. Uh, his grandmother died this week. who's very, very close to, and so he's with the family today on the East Coast, completely unexpected. Um We had to repostpone or postpone the first one because of my father in law and now his grandmother. We decided, you know, we're just not going to postpone again. That we'll cover for him. But in the next Legacy Breakfast, you'll get to meet him and hear his story and passion and heart, and you'll very much enjoy him. He uh, he he has an incredible heart for this kind of stuff. This is his whole passion and and purpose in life. He feels is is the whole Legacy thing. Today I want to first talk about the vision for the legacy team. What, what does it really mean to be a part of a legacy team, a legacy dream team? The first thing to understand is that all of us were created by God, which I think we all get. But I don't think we, we fully understand, or if not understand, fully put ourselves in position that not only are we created by God, we're created for God. Like my life is for God. It's it's Colossians says it like this: everything was created through Him and for Him, which means every aspect of my life is for God. In a second, Dave, can we turn these down? I'm I'm getting blinded up here. These are can can they? I know it's like I'm. It's different down here than up here. Like I don't. They don't bother me up there, but I think it's shining right on me down here. Uh, do we need him for the camera? <laughs> Let's just turn him off if we don't need him. Thank you. Oh, I feel like I can see again. Let me, let me adjust my eyes for a second. Um, that, that every aspect of our life is for God, meaning our business is for God. Our career is for God. Our, our, our livelihood is for God. Our resources are for God. Our family is for God. My son is for God you know like 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 God gave me a son to steward him for his purposes. Like that's the job of a parent is to steward a child for God. So every aspect of our life is for him. And, and that's that's the foundational truth of really understanding what it means to be a part of a legacy team. Second truth is we believe the local church is the hope of the world. The local church is is what God established to solve the world's need, to solve the world's problem. It's the only thing that God established. When you, when you study Scripture, God only established a few couple institutions, and the local church is one of them. One of the sad facts that I, I read recently is 66% of all philanthropy, all giving happens outside of the local church. Which, again, I'm not, I'm not against giving outside of the local church, But the reality is we we get such a little ROI on anything given outside of the local church. There's no real eternal return on investment outside of the local church. Because at the end of the day, I can feed somebody if they go to hell for a million years. What good did the food really, really accomplish or really do? And so the great purpose is when we invest in the local church, we invest in something that is kingdom sustainable. It's something that has eternal value, eternal impact. And it's sustainable because at the end of the day, we're not living for this life. We're living for that life. So if I'm living for that life, then everything I invest needs to be very, very strategically. So I don't invest in things that are going to die in this life because I'm not living for this life. I'm living for that life. I invest in things that are going to live on after this life. I invest in things that have eternal value and eternal significance because that's what makes a difference and Jesus was very clear his passion his heart for the local church that the local church is the bride of Christ in Ephesians he says just as Christ loved the church he gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word he did this to present her to himself as a glorious church Without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. Just as Christ cares for the church and we are members of his body. So each of us is a member of his body. Which means we all have a lane to run in. Like there there is a purpose for you. There's a lane for you to live your life in. And it's very dangerous when we get out of our lane and try to get into somebody else's lane. Like I know I'm called to ministry. I'm called to pastor this church. If I try to get involved with business outside of this church and and again, as a pastor, you're approached a lot. People they care for you and they say, "Well, you know, we can get you into this or we can get you into that and it'll help you financially." I know as soon as I divert my energy outside of my lane, I'm going to get hurt. It's not going to work out well. This is where God has called me. Now, you know, To be clear, that, that doesn't mean that I can't have a mutual fund or retirement fund or things like that. That simply means I don't get involved in outside business interests, you know, and, and a lot of people have tried. And the thing is, and they do it from a good heart to help me, but the reality is if I get outside of my lane, I'm going to get hurt. It's not where God called me to run, and God is my source, and God is my provider. And I'm saying that because all of us have a unique lane to run in. And a God-given lane first has purpose. Like You're going to find the purpose of your life when you run in that lane. Like You're going to know this is exactly what I was created for. I love the movie Chariots of Fire. Eric Little, who is the, the Olympic runner in that movie, his sister was trying to get him to be a missionary in China, I believe it was, and she was pressuring him to be a missionary. And he says, you know, one day I may... But right now, God made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. See, there's purpose in running in your lane. When you do what you were created to do, you feel God's pleasure. It's as if God is like, I know every Sunday when I teach, I feel God's pleasure because that's what he designed me to do it's what he equipped me to do it's what he gifted me to do i was talking to eric about this who'll be le- leading the legacy dream team and he dreams numbers like he he just dreams business deals at night that's what he loves to do and he loves to to put together strategic you know business plans and investments and things like that and when he does that he says i feel god's pleasure like this is what god hardwired my mind to be able to do and when i do it i feel so there's purpose there's passion like, y- y- you're driven by what you love to do. And when you get into the lane that God designed you to do, there's passion, there's provision. God always provides when you're doing Like, if I get outside of my lane, there's no provision for me. Like, if I try to do something else with my life, I'm going to get hurt. I'm going to get hurt, and God's not going to provide. But if I stay in my lane, there's incredible provision in my lane. And then destiny. Like, I'm, I'm living a destiny. I'm, I'm doing something that's going to live on after me. I'm living for something bigger than me. It is powerful. It's powerful. Now, let's talk about—actually, where am I at? Here we go. I want, to, I want to help you understand the gift of giving in Scripture. Paul says, Romans chapter 12, because the legacy team is a team who, who have self, all of the dream teams of our church have self-identified different spiritual gifts, and those spiritual gifts, and all of us have more than one spiritual gift, so just because you have this spiritual gift doesn't mean you don't have any others. We, we have multiple spiritual gifts, and, and those gifts determine how we serve inside of the body of Christ. Well, the gift of financial giving is a gift Paul talks about, and we look at this gift it is the giving of resources. It's not giving of, of, of time or talent. People who give of resources also give of time and talent. But the gift Paul's talking about is giving of resources. Because when it comes to time and talent, he talks about the gift of serving and other gifts. So Paul says here, for just as each one of us, uh, or each of us has a body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function, so your hand doesn't function the way your foot functions, and your, 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 your eye doesn't function the way your toes function. So we all, all the parts of our body have a different part to play, a different lane to run in. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Meaning, if you have given your life to Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, you don't belong to yourself, you belong to the body. Like, like we, we as a church are a collective body, and we belong to one another. We are here for one another. Again, that's why we're passionate about building a dream team, because the dream team helps people understand that I belong to everyone else. Like, when I serve on Sunday as an usher, I serve in the parking lot, I serve in all the different facets of our church— I'm belonging to others, like I'm giving to other people who are part of this body. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. And that's, that, that word grace is charis. It's a gift that God gives you. God, God gives you a charis, a grace to do certain things in life. My grace is to teach. Eric, who's going to lead this team, his grace is to come up with business deals. That's his grace. He's very clear that that is a grace God has put on his life. You have to identify what is your grace that gives you the ability to run in your lane. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's an encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, Paul says, then give generously. So very clearly, the gift of giving is a spiritual gift, and it is for a group of people in the body that have that gift, and that's what the legacy team is all about. So how do, we, how do we figure out how to operate this gift? Well, let me give you some key points. First, you need to understand the destiny of a pastor and a business person is intertwined. If we belong to each other and if we are the body of Christ... If that's what God has called us to be, then that absolutely must be true. Number two, pastors consistently set the vision and make it clear. My job is to pray, seek God about where the church is going. Number three, business people set the pace of the vision through giving of finances and influence. And that that's that's a key to understand for the legacy team, that we, we move as fast as our partnerships. That's why I tell the church, we're never going to move faster than your generosity. We're going to move at the speed of your generosity. The vision, you know, God gives the leaders the vision of where we're going to run. But the church decides how fast we're going to get there, how quickly we're going to get there. And then lastly, pastors and business people are not to compete, but to complete each other. Now, I think we've got a very healthy dynamic in our church. I've been in churches that have a very unhealthy dynamic of this, where there's a lot of competition, and it's, it's not a completing of each other. What we want to do is complete each other. We want to partner together. At the end of the day, God can give me the greatest vision in the world, but without any provision, we're not going anywhere. The Old Testament describes this partnership as kings and priests. When you study the partnership of kings and priests, it's very, very powerful. The, the kings were called to go to war for the kingdom. Now, what did they go to war for? Provision, resource. They, they acquired lands, provision, resources to build the kingdom. And then the priest's job was to, to hear from God and teach people the word of God. The king's job was to go to war. So you have to understand, if you're not in full-time ministry, your calling biblically is to be a king. You're, you're a king, and when you go to work Monday morning, it's war. It is war. Like some of you go through some very intense battles in the workplace. You go through some credible lawsuits. You go through people stabbing you in the back. You go through all sorts uh, of different battles in the workplace. It is war, and your job is to be a king. And so the, the priest provides vision. The king provides provision for the vision. That's the biblical model you see in the Old Testament. And just to understand a little bit more of staying in your lane, Anytime you see a king get out of his lane in the Old Testament, innocent people got hurt. Saul got out of his lane. You know, Saul, the the Philistine army was getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And the Israelite army was living in fear and they were getting scared and Saul was losing troops. Samuel told Saul, you wait seven days. I will be there. I will sacrifice the burnt offering unto the Lord and then we will go into battle. Well, Samuel doesn't show up. So Saul has no idea if the Philistines kidnapped him, if they killed him. He's got no idea where Samuel is. All Saul knows is that he's about to lose everything God had given them. And so Saul takes matters into his own hands. He, burns the, he, take, he offers the burnt offering to the Lord to prepare for battle so that he could save the kingdom. And as soon as he offers the burnt offering to the Lord, Samuel shows up and says, What have you done? What have you done? Now you're going to lose your entire kingdom. And we think to ourselves, he's going to lose his entire kingdom over a burnt offering. Compared to what some of the other guys did, like David, compared to what David did. He's going to lose everything over a burnt offering. Anytime you see an overreaction of God in scripture, it's because there's a truth there. So holy, God will do whatever it takes to protect it. And the the, the truth was, Saul, you are not a priest. You are a king. Act like a king, let the priest do his job, you do your job. Same thing with Uzzah, reaches up to steady the ark, the ark is going to fall, it's going to be broken into pieces, Uzzah steadies the ark and God strikes him dead. Again, the same principle. We have to stay in our lane, it's very important we stay in our lane, if we get out of our lane People get, I've seen a lot of business people try to go into ministry. I've seen a lot of ministry people try to go into business. And anytime they were not called by God to do it, people got hurt. They got hurt. Provision wasn't there. It's very important that we stay in our lane. So next, m- moving on. God-inspired generosity. So if you have the gift of giving, then you need to understand God-inspired generosity. It has no motive. People with the gift of giving... They give without motives. Like they're not giving to manipulate anything. They give without motives. It requires no justification. It's their gift. like It's what they love to do. It needs no recognition or response. They don't need to be patted on the back for it. And in fact, Jesus says, when it comes to your offering, see, here's what we get confused in the world today. In Bible times, the tithe was very public. Like everyone in church knew what you were tithing. You're offering what is what is what was private in Bible times. Jesus said, "Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you give to the poor." But tithing was a public thing, and what we've done is we 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 flip flopped it, where we keep what we tithe private, and then we 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 love to let people know what we're giving to charity, and we've kind of like reversed the dynamic of the Bible times. But the reality is. Real godly giving, we don't need recognition or a response for it. And then lastly, God-inspired generosity just does. Just does, because love just does. For God so loved the world that he gave. Like, just, just having love in your heart. One of the byproducts of having love in your heart is you just naturally give. I love this verse in Second Corinthians. It says, you are familiar with the generosity of our master. Like Jesus was incredibly generous, Jesus Christ. Rich as he was. Now, I don't think we fully comprehend this all the time. I want you to think about where Jesus was living before he was born in the manger. Think about for a moment what he had, the comforts, the amenities, the angels that were serving him, the luxury that he got to live in before he came to planet Earth. I don't think we fully understand what he gave up sometimes. Rich as he was, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor, so we could become rich. So what does it take to be a part of a legacy team? Well, it's identifying yourself with the gift of giving. Now, what does that look like? What does that mean? Here's the important truth of the day. It has nothing to do with equal gifts. It's all about equal sacrifice. I am a part of the legacy dream team. I know that that my gift will never equal what many people's gift in this church is because of my profession. Like, my profession will limit my ability to give, like, equally compared to other people's profession. So what the gift of giving is, is anybody that commits to giving above their tithe throughout the year. that, That could be a dollar above your tithe. It could be a million dollars above your tithe. It's not an amount. So so there's no amount that that God sets on the gift of giving. The gift of giving is just people who look at their life, they evaluate kind of where they're at personally, and they say, you know what, I have more than I need. I have more than I need, which means I have a responsibility to invest the excess into things that are going to make a difference eternally. And that's what I've done. I've looked at my life, and I realize that my wife and I have more than we need. We have more than we need. God has blessed us. And so we're going to take the excess of our life and we're going to invest it strategically in things that are going to make an eternal difference. So let me let me just say, it's not about equal gifts. It's all about equal sacrifice. So the legacy team are just people who commit every year, I'm going to give above my tithe. Now, that giving sometimes will be... In your home church, that giving sometimes will be in high-impact ministries around the world. One of my responsibilities as your pastor is I kind of look at myself as a missions broker. You have mutual fund brokers. You have investment brokers. One of my jobs is to know what God's doing around the world. So that when people in our church come to me and says, you know, i got a passion for Africa. I don't want to go, but I've got, you know, this money sitting aside here. And I just, I feel it needs to go to Africa. What's God doing in Africa? I can list two or three high-impact ministries in Africa that will give you a great ROI on anything you invest there. And so part of the legacy team is to provide that for people. For people that, that sometimes it's going to be the vision of the house. Like we have a responsibility to take care of the house. We're going to talk about that in a moment. But sometimes God may put a passion in your heart for something happening, and, and, and you don't have the time to research or figure out, okay, what's God doing in this country or what's God doing in this region of the world? That's kind of one of my roles is to understand what's God through relationships, through contacts, through the network that we're in. We have a feel for what God's doing around the world. So that's what it means to be on the Legacy Dream Team. Let me give you just a quick overview. Of, of what we'd love to accomplish in 2017, as well as what we did accomplish in 2016. And then we're going to jump into the meat of this, which is we have five legacy lanes as a church, five focused areas that we invest in. The first is our house. That's going to be the meat of today, which I'm going to turn that over to Steve and Jim in just a moment, and they're going to kind of take you through the vision for the next couple of years of our house. What does it mean to really build out this house? And for, for people who, who want to understand what is it, sustainability or endowing something, it's all about the house. Like I hear a lot of people say, well, we want to, we want to endow something. The best way to endow something is to add seats in this room. Think about it. For every seat we add in this room, we create long-term sustainable, sustainable income. That's You're going to get a higher return for every seat in this room financially than anything you're going to get from the market. So helping people understand uh, endowing things starts with adding seats here because we, ha- we, we, we have the need. Like There are more people who want to attend our church than actually can right now. If you saw last Sunday morning... Uh, There there were cars parked all along every, you know, space, every curb, red curbs, everywhere. Like, the campus was packed last week. So there are more people, and and they're very likely people who did not stay last week because they could not find parking. So there are more people who want to be a part of what God is doing here than what we currently have the ability to offer. Which means we've got a responsibility. Are we going to move forward, and are we going to continue to add space so the best way to endow our future is to create seats because every seat creates new people, creates sustainable income, creates a larger impact into our future. That's our house. Second is our local impact, which consists of a couple different areas, our outreach small groups, which are really Beginning to be solidified, and the foundation is growing. Our out to reach, going out to Escondido and Oceanside every week, feeding and serving the homeless and different things there. Our future North County Dream Center, which we have a passion. Uh, I'm feeling two to three years down the road, in my heart, is is we'll be positioned to be able to accomplish something like that, and then a future human trafficking resource center. Uh, I feel a couple years down the road for that. Uh, I don't want to pull the trigger on that until we are in a place where we can set aside a million dollars a year of our income that we can dedicate to that. See, a lot of people say, well, well, I'll give to start it. Well, that's great, but how are we going to pay for year two and year three and year four? And I don't want to fundraise for year two and year three and year four because then we turn into that church that's always raising money to, to keep programs alive. What I would like to do is get us to a place where our attendance on Sunday is healthy in us, our margin is healthy in us, where we can set aside a million dollars a year to fund and operate that where we don't have to worry about fundraising. Again, that's why I'm saying if you want to endow a human trafficking resource center, the best way to endow it is to create more seats in here. Because when we create more seats in here, we put ourselves in a position to have a million dollars excess every year. This last year, I think we've had, uh, was it one point, uh, what was it? Our, 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 our 2017 income was 2.4 million and our expense budget was around 1.6. So we're at, I mean, this is a realistic vision very realistic vision. So last year we had $800,000 margin at the end of the year money that we we did not that we that we received through our tithe income that we did not put into our expense budget. We were able to put it into different projects and different areas and pay down debt and use it for different things. So this is a very realistic way of building for our future. And again, if you understand our budgeting principles, we budget every year at 90% previous year income. And then we spend less than that. Right now, we're currently spending about 72% of our income on our expense budget, which means 28% a year is our margin. And so if we stay faithful and we continue to grow this ability for people to come on Sunday, this becomes very realistic in our future. A couple years away where we can begin to set aside a million dollars a year to run a world-class human trafficking center right here in North County, which is one of the greatest needs in America is right here in North County. Next is our regional impact. This is what we're doing kind of in the Southern California region. First off is what we do for the Los Angeles Dream Center. Last year we invested over $80,000 into what God is doing through the Dream Center in Los Angeles. Many of you have been there or went there recently when we were there. And it's just incredible. To me, it's one of the uh, most comprehensive ministries in the world making one of the biggest impacts. And so we love investing in that and plus everything we invest in the dream center is seed money into our dream center here like we know we're just planting seeds we're planting seeds the way we do personally like like i'll give an offering like last year i gave uh, my motorcycle seventy five hundred dollars. this year i'm getting a son i mean that was worth it like like that was a you know god asked me to give what meant most to me and he ended up giving me what really meant most to me a dream that i thought had died I mean, that was a seed into something much, much bigger that God has blessed me with. And so that's, that's kind of what we do for the Dream Center in Los Angeles. Next is our Mexico Children's Home 2016. We purchased the home for 483000 Did I get that right, Jim? Four and a quarter. Four and, a quarter and then, but all the other work we did to the home. Yeah. So 483 was the total package of renovating the home, getting it prepared, all the fees, and purchasing the home for our kids. This year, uh, it's going to cost $127,000 to operate the home for one year. That includes all of their schooling, their education, books, the home, everything. And as I said about the Human Trafficking North County Dream Center, we want to be in a position where we can do that. We're now in a position where we can fund this out of the margin of our church. It's a beautiful thing to not have to get in front of the church every year and say, we need money, we need money, we need money for the orphanage. We're in a position because of our stewarding, because of our discipline, where we can fund this out of the margin of our church and out of our giving budget every year without having to ask for money, which, which I feel like is the right way to run a church. It's the way you, the way you operate personally. Like When you want to you know, sponsor a kid in Africa, you make sure that you can do that in your monthly budget. You don't do it by faith and have to ask family members to help you. You do it within your monthly budget. And I feel like this is just the best way to run a church. Here's some photos of our kids down there. And then here's a, a picture of one of the floors in the home. It's, it's a multi-level home uh, right in the Rosa Rita area. There's the kitchen. There's the pool in the backyard. Uh, there's the front door of the home. There's some of the kids doing their music lesson at the home. Here's a, a street photo of the home. There's up on the rooftop deck overlooking the ocean. It's a couple streets off the beach. Uh, there's another picture of the rooftop deck across the street. It's a beautiful playground. The kids were living in Tijuana in a concrete jungle, nowhere to play, nowhere to get outside. They have a playground, and two streets away is the beautiful ocean. So it's amazing to see what God has done. And, and we were very good stewards with this home. We looked at homes that were much more expensive than this and, and much more impractical. God led us to this, and it was the cheapest and biggest home that we found down there. And that's just the glory of God that that we, because it looks very extravagant, but know that this was the most cost effective uh, home that we found for the kids down there. Then we have our national impact. Uh, First off, we invest every year, we invest actually 2% of all of our income into the Association of Related Churches. So last year, that was, uh, we we gave additionally to ARC last year. So I think we gave over $60,000 last year to ARC. Uh, right now, we have 613 total churches planted with art. 79 churches we were able to plant in 2016. This year, the goal is 80 churches that we're going to plant with art. All of the art churches combined give $15 million a year to missions. Think about it. Our 2% is leveraged and creates $15 million a year to world missions. That's a powerful. Return on investment right there. We also invest into the GROW network, which we're a part of. Uh, We give to GROW, we support GROW, we work with GROW, training churches. Right now, there's 4,500 churches being trained in 48 states and 56 different countries. We also have our global impact that we're involved globally. First off, in Europe, we're training a church in England, in France right now. In England, the church that we're training there is... Toys that this spring, they're going to do their first ever life retreat. They've started the life curriculum that we've been training them with. They've implemented our systems of Know God, Find Freedom, Discover Purpose, Make a Difference. They're seeing growth, they're seeing clarity, they're seeing a major impact being made in one of the suburbs outside of London. And then in France, we began working with the church a couple years ago when they sent a couple over for three months to be trained by us. They're now implementing the systems, working in the church in France, seeing growth, we're investing in bringing them over to America, the senior pastor over to America this year, sending them to the GROW training in Birmingham and then bringing them out here to spend a couple weeks with us. In Africa, we're training a church in South Africa that we began working with when the church was about 200 members. Now the church is 1,100. So we've been working with the church, implementing all of our systems, all of our strategies. They've now broken 1,000 people. We also had a team in our church that did a mission trip to Uganda this year, and we are talking to them about another mission trip to Uganda in the coming future. Our China missions, we have missionaries that we support in China that consider us their home church as well as uh, kind of founding elders of our church, Alan Carol Vendetti, which we send to China on a regular basis to support the mission work there, to work in the mission work there. And it's amazing to see what God is doing down there. And then lastly, in the Middle East, uh, we invest the first 1% of all of our income into Israel. We be, in, into really Jewish evangelism, not necessarily Israel itself. A lot of it goes into Israel, but in a Jewish evangelism in Kiev, Jewish evangelism in Buenos Aires, uh, in Miami, there's a huge Holocaust population that we have our church uh, Jewish evangelist going into. He's led a number of Holocaust survivors to Christ. Let me, let me put it in perspective. For every Holocaust survivor you bring to Jesus Christ, that's the equivalent of bringing like 10,000 Gentiles to Christ. I mean, that's what a big deal that is. I mean, that's huge. And last year, he saw a couple hundred Jewish people come to Christ, which is very, very significant. Uh, And that's the first check every month. So... As we teach the principle of first as a church, uh, our accounting team knows the very first check that comes out of our account every single month is to Jewish evangelism. No other check can come before our check to Jewish evangelism. We do that first. And the reason we believe Jewish evangelism first is because Paul outlined God's order of evangelism in Romans 1. He says, to the Jew first, then the Gentile. So all of our missions giving goes to the Jew first, then the Gentile. And it's an order you see followed throughout the book of Acts. Every city Paul went to, Paul was the missionary to the Gentiles. Every city Paul went to, he always went to the Jewish synagogue first, then he preached to the Gentiles. So he always went to the Jew first. So there's an order there, and I just believe God has an order about things, and we follow his order There's blessing, and there's been a lot of blessing on our church since we've implemented that principle. Then we invest in an unknown, unnamed, or not unknown, unnamed country in the Middle East that we don't talk about publicly. I can tell you privately, but I can't talk about it publicly or under any recording because of the security threat they're under. The missionary we support there is the number one target by the secret police in the nation. And uh, last year we invested over $50,000, which led to 6,800 Muslim conversions in the nation he's working in, in 10 new house churches, as well as we had our first mission trip to the Middle East this year to Lebanon which Walter and Ray and Josh were all a part of that team. So that's the global impact of what is happening through our church and, and what we want to continue to see happening. I have a dream to invest $100,000 this year into the nation in the uh, the Middle East that we're working in to see even more of an impact in the Muslim world there. We've already, as a church, set aside 10000 out of our budget. I'm just believing that... People be inspired. Again, this is what we could do. We're not committing to do any of it. We're just saying this is what we could do if God provides. But again, we're not going to move past people's generosity. We need to move now. What, or why we need to move now. Like, why is it critical that we take our next steps now? Why is it critical that we, we build out this master plan? Why do we do it? Well, we've all seen this on an airplane. Put the oxygen mask on you before you put the oxygen mask on your child. That's the word God really spoke to me that gave me the sense of urgency that now is the time. Now is the time. If we really want to do all the other stuff, like there's a lot of people passionate about building a dream center here in North County. That's wonderful. We can't do it today because we can't sustain it today. We can't sustain it until we put the oxygen mask on ourselves first. See, here's the thing. It's... It's very glamorous and exciting to give to all of those type of things. It's not as glamorous or exciting to invest in the house. But the reality is, if we don't put the oxygen mask on ourselves first, we can't do all the glamorous and exciting things. If you look at what we did in 2016, it's remarkable what we pulled off as a church. It's remarkable what we accomplished. Could you imagine what we could do if we were twice the size? Could you imagine the impact we could make globally if we were twice the size? I want to introduce Steve Fajank, our executive pastor now. He's going to talk a little bit about why we are sustainable as a church and why we need to move on now. You just tell me when you want the next slide. Oh, next one. There you go. Hey guys.
1: Thank you for the opportunity to spend a few minutes with you today. You know, it's interesting. Um, I think about the number of sweaters. I've sold over the years. Then I think about the number of sunglasses I've sold. Then it kind of freaks you out. Then I think about the number of computers. And all of my point is, all of these things that have to do with the consumer. And you kind of think of me as this, you know, 35 years in the retail world, making businesses happen. I can't even tell you how many thousands of stores. I, I really don't know how many thousands of stores are either signed the lease deal to, designed, or opened. And I think about that in relationship to the incredible blessing that I've been given to be part of the team that's here at Coastline. And I went from sweaters to now really transform lives. And I think about, you know, people think, okay, well, you're the executive pastor, so you deal with all this operations. What people don't know about this role is that I get emails and phone calls like you wouldn't believe. And the phone calls and the emails fall into three categories. I'm addicted. Can you help me? Those are hard to take. I'm going to kill my kids. They're driving me crazy, and my marriage is falling apart. At the end of the day, those are the three buckets of the emails that I get. People don't say, hey, Steve, just want to tell you how great Coastline is, and la la blah. blah, blah. No, those are not the conversations. But I guess I just want to bring back to us, just for a second, the incredible The credible journey that we've been on here at our church, you know, and in my life, I've evaluated the health of a business based upon three things, top line, bottom line, and traffic. And we fit that category. It's amazing the relationship, and I love, Pastor, and how you spoke about that, the relationship between business and church. And some people get really freaked out by that. They're like, oh, that's just not okay. It's absolutely okay. God has trained up people who have a business mind to apply it to the kingdom. That's what we have to do, and we have to do it well. We're called to excellence. We serve an excellent God. Now let's go do it. And you think about that, right? So sales being our, our income, what people so generously have given because they heard from God to this place. There's a responsibility for that. Traffic. Traffic is always an indicator of the health of an organization, and we have traffic. I loved seeing this parking lot just jammed on Sunday. I literally, I told her, don't, don't laugh at me, but I weeped a little bit as I drove by. I saw it. I was like, it's jammed. Thank you, Jesus. That's an awesome thing. And, of course, the bottom line, which we are called to be incredible stewards of those gifts So I guess I just want to take an opportunity for just a quick second and share my heart over the reason that as much as people say, well, that's really a big change you've made in your career, I have to tell you, it's not a big change. God is training me up for all of those years to run a business with with biblical, God-driven principles there. Now I get to run a church with business principles. That's all I get to do. So let's just talk really quickly about the past seven years. I wasn't here, but I'm going to tell you something. It sounds miserable. Um, <laughs> I mean, it really does. 150 people, you didn't have a parking problem, right? Right. $500,000 in g- income. The debt was crazy. I'm not sure why you took the job. I, I, really do, I really don't. There was no staff. I mean, this is just miserable. But I will tell you that I've been in scenarios like that where you see something that you just know and of course in our world right in our world of 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 loving jesus it's it's truly is a calling so i just want to thank you and amanda for taking right and and listening and and being obedient because it's it's a huge it's a huge um thing for where we come back come from i think the challenge here for all of us is where were we seven years ago right we can we we're we're growing we're on a continuum of continual growth seven years ago sony had had relocated me here to san diego Um, And I was trying to, to revitalize a brand. Well, you know how that went. That didn't go so well. But guess what? God, that wasn't God's plan. It had nothing to do with Sony. It had everything to do with his kingdom and this church. And the challenge that I have for all of you is, you know, like, let's not be comfortable in where we are. Let's realize that we have the next seven years ahead of ourselves. Really, really exciting. Today... Over 1,100 people get to call, and that was last week. 1,100 people get to call Coastline Home. And, you know, having an opportunity to do the growth track every single week, I'll tell you, one of the most important things that I hear continually is there's a sense of bigness here at the church, and, and we talk about that. You have to be of a scale to do the work that God calls us to do, but there can still be an intimacy of our of our of our relationships with people and I think that that's the lane that God's called us to and Walter's shaking his head here because he because I have an opportunity to do that with him every single week and, and we know that and it's over and over and over again you know look at this 2.4 million dollars I mean that's that's not a that's not a small chunk of change that we're responsible for you know look, you can know we were at 3.1 million six years ago and now look at this 2.2 million yes head count of 14. Listen, I have to tell you, it takes, it takes a team to do the work of the kingdom. 14 sounds like a big number. It isn't. That, in that number is some part-time staff. Um, it's just it's just to run this place and to do it of excellence, that number is not the right number, to be very honest with you. We're really, you know, we're, we're lean and mean. 1,500 um, hands have been raised. We think about the, m- the most important things that we can do in our lives, it's transform lives, 1,500 lives. Whoops, that last one, there? And then, oh, over the last 12 months. Yeah. I mean, thank you, Jesus, for that. That's awesome. Thank you. So consider your journey over the past seven years and where and the reasons that we're here today. And I've always already said that. So, you know, I love graphs. And I'm sure you'll love this one. I'm going to tell you something. If I was looking at this as a business person solely, this is a graph that would get me really, really excited. Now, you think about it as a graph that's relatable to us as people who love Jesus. This is even a more exciting graph. What you can see on the right-hand side, so the top line green being our revenue, look at that growth over the past seven years. Look at that. Look, it's amazing. And then the expense line is, the, is the obviously the red line. And look at how nicely, look at how nicely we're creating more margin based upon our expenses. And what that should say to all of us is you've got a team of people that you can trust and you can rely on to spend every dollar appropriately so that it's maximized. The only way you get this, this is when you have, you have people who understand the value of every dollar and wanting to apply it to the kingdom in the appropriate, most appropriate way. And we talked about traffic being a driver of success. Look at the traffic. And that is attendance. And that's the blue line. And that is such a nice thing, especially when you're at, especially at the intersection of 20, at the just before 2015 when revenue outpaced traffic. That tells you that people are more. Uh, there's a place right now in our church where people are wanting to give more than even the people that God's bringing to us. That's a heart change right there. How exciting is that? So fast fa- some fast facts. We've doubled in size over the past five years. At our current rate, we're going to double again in two and a half years based upon the momentum. And you can feel it. I don't know if you can feel it. I hope you can because you're sitting in these seats today. But there is momentum. And when there's wind at your back and you know you're following God's purpose, just wait what's going to happen. Awesome. Revenue growth has kept the pace with one-for-one one revenue. So, there's, so as revenue is going up, so has our pace in terms of our traffic. How exciting is that? So the more people, this is simple math, the more people that God brings to us, the more revenue that's going to happen. You can, you can trust that. Expenses have lagged. Revenue growth, which is what we were talking about just a little bit earlier, And then, of course, the hands raised, look at this continual growth over the past few years. And that's what matters, transform lives. In the next seven years, it compares in the two futures. We have a choice. God always gives us a choice, right? We don't have to do one or the other. We're going to do one of these, but our choice is sitting in this room right now to either grow or to stagnate. So a 3.1 kingdom investment, and what's so exciting about that, and I'm not going to take Jim's thunder here, um, but Aaron certainly shared a piece of it already. I have to tell you, between expansions and putting more seats into this building and expanding this building and investing in our children's future with our, um, with our next generation building, it's all the right thing to do. I see parents, and it's so disheartening today, and I just want to go there for just a second because there's a one-for-one one relationship. You can't get the parents with the kids if you don't have the seats. And you can't get the parents with the kids if indeed you don't have the parking space. They just it's it's a continuum going over and over. And I'll tell you today, we lose parents today, especially in the middle school and high school area because of the lack of resources that we have on this campus. And it breaks my heart because I know that there's no other there's there's no other place that can grab a hold of these kids and guarantee that they're going to have a relationship with Jesus to be able to navigate what this life is going to deal with them. So if the church doubles in size, over 2,200 people, $4.8 million in revenue. Yes, expenses will go up, but all of that is kingdom work. I just want to call that out. Um, And our total margin will be $1.6 million. Again, things that we can reinvest back into paying off debt, or we can continue to invest that in the in, in the kingdom, and we'll make those decisions at that point in time. Fifty two percent return on investment. You know that's pretty amazing. Healthy retail companies, by the way, are somewhere between thirty two and thirty five percent margin. So I just want to <laughs> let you know this number really excites me. That's amazing because i know where that money goes it doesn't go back into shareholders hands it goes into the into the into the kingdom and bringing more people for the love of jesus that's where that goes 3.1 million dollar investment adds 220 seats as a build-out to this building alone 220 that's awesome an investment of $14,000 a seat. So, so, very simply, 220 divided by your $3.1 million, that's $14,000 a seat. Now, if you do the math, at 1,500 salvations, it's basically just a little bit over five raised salvations per seat that we're planning on for 2018 and beyond. And that's just facts. That's, that's today's ratios, which is, which is really exciting. And I don't know about you because I just certainly don't want to. But what's going through my mind right now is that that's cheap. Uh, you know, How many people, when I take those phone calls, and they don't know how to handle their kids, they don't know what to do with their marriages, and they can't get off their addictions, and it's pretty much one thing. They don't have not received the love of Jesus. They have not turned their lives over to be able to do what God's calling them to do because they have no due north. So $14,000 a seat. And that's five salvations per year for the rest of Coastline's history here. It's pretty amazing. Let's tackle and let's take on Carlsbad. Just let's take it on. Let's go do it. Let's go win it for Jesus. If we add the 220 seats... We're looking at a capacity of increased salvations by almost 1,200 salvations per year. Increased. Increased. Now, you want to have, have a church that's on fire for the Lord. You want to have a community, a church community that's going out and making an impact in their, in their city. There you go. That's how it's done. You want to get buzz and excitement and people doing life together. That's how it's done. That's all I got to say. Like, that's how it's done. You build a momentum. So for that investment of 14000 dollars again, just five seats. We can grow so so here's, so here's the, um, the status quo, right? We can grow up to 1,200 weekly attendance. We max out at 2.9 million. We're already turning away people. That's the, that's the alternative to not investing. It's nobody likes that. I can tell, I can tell by your faces like that's not a good thing. Um, without you, here's what the future looks like. Oh, with you, not without you. <laughs> I was like, what's the, huh? what? Yeah, and then without you, here's what the future looks like. There you go. So let's just end with um, Exodus here, 3521. I love this verse. For all whose hearts were stirred and whose spirits were moved, came and brought their sac- sacred, sacred offerings to the Lord they brought all the materials needed to the tabernacle for the performance of its rituals and for the sacred garments you know god always gives us a choice right the israelites had a choice to help build they didn't they weren't forced to and i think that's the scenario that we are if god's speaking to our hearts and he's getting us excited by what we know god's calling us to do how awesome right so that's that's the call on our individual hearts that we have to answer so so jim i'm going to oh you want
0: let me introduce uh, one of our trustees, Jim Grant. He's the owner of Grant Construction here in our community. For those of you that don't know him, they build Walmarts, Lowe's, everything else, and they built our church property. And as a trustee and builder, he is going to be in charge of our whole master plan project. So Jim, take it away.
2: I don't really need a microphone, so I'm going <clears> to <throat> set it down for people that are here. Oh, okay. I will use the microphone. Uh, good morning. I am really excited to be here. Saturday mornings is really a sacred day for me. There's not many uh, activities like this that get in my way. I own a construction company here in North County. It's a great business. It's a great way to spend five days out of your week. Saturday morning is typically set aside for racquetball. That is the one two-hour activity that just (laughs) blows it away (coughs) and gets myself ready and prepared for an awesome Sunday. When Aaron uh, gave me the opportunity to speak this morning, I said, you know what? The pastor says you got three minutes. You take the three minutes and you set aside something that can happen later. Uh, Aaron uh, introduced me. My name is Jim Grant. <coughs> I was reflecting back on uh, Steve's uh, slides. Two thoughts came to mind. The first one where we saw the graph, the red, the blue blue and I think it was the green I was thinking my gosh is that a poll of some uh, political person and everybody is in unison thinking that whatever has been said is just phenomenal of course coming through this last political uh, environment it was quite the opposite so I was encouraged to see the the slide the other one that uh, really spoke to me (coughs) was where were you seven years ago And I can tell you where I was seven years ago. It was sitting in this uh, sanctuary. The chairs were turned, and the stage was located over here. But I can also tell you where I was 25 years ago. And that was a member of Coastline Community Church, uh, later changed to Coastline Church. Uh, Of that church, which was vibrant (coughs) at the time, What's so amazing is that half the families that were with that church then, half of those are represented in the audience this morning. So we have a, a group here that has uh, stood the, the test of time and has been involved with Coastline and has brought incredible stability to this to this place. Um, <clears throat> early days of coastline we were in several different locations and I think for this group just to take a quick minute to give you a brief brief history uh, how this building came to pass this uh, La Costa Valley was a master plan community Uh, the property very unusually was set aside zoned for a religious purpose in most churches today especially in Southern California have to go through large zoning uh, changes through the local cities, have to spend millions of dollars to upset all of their neighbors, of which they're trying to come in and be a good neighbor. So (coughs) this property was set aside, no argument. Uh, There were some financial issues uh, with the developer of the property. Coastline, at the time, was a bidder, successful bidder through the court, bought the property. Uh, 2000, uh, 2001, 2002, 2003, we brought on an architectural team, went through the master planning process here in Carlsbad, uh, which is really not an unusual situation in most cities for developments of this size. Uh, We had an architectural engineering team that uh, took about a year and a half to actually master plan the entire property. What we're in here is Basically, what was known at the time as phase one, the second phase of the project as envisioned at that time was a what we're calling a next generation building or a classroom and then a sanctuary at the uh, west end of the property. Uh, As time has changed, things have changed the way churches operate, our parking situation has uh, brought us to the point of now reevaluating the opportunity that we have here at the property as uh, we see here on the slide (coughs) Uh, very preliminary at this point in time what we are considering doing is taking our existing sanctuary multi-purpose building and the cafe and enlarging it uh, enclosing it into one large building (coughs) Uh, currently we're about six thousand feet between these two once we enclose it we'll be closer to twelve (coughs) thousand that'll give us the five hundred seats the sanctuary the other (coughs) building you can see that's uh shaded there in blue is the next generation building that is uh administration as well as classroom space for the kids kids and use the other major component to the to the site plan is creating about another hundred and twenty or thirty parking places so that we can accommodate the uh the, the traffic, as Steve said, that we have here on the, on the weekends. Now, the next slide, I think, um, and then the next slide. Yeah, here's one that uh, for, and I'm sure there's a lot of numbers people and out here in, in the uh, audience this morning. But this is kind of a, a time activity and cost breakdown. So you can see what we're, what we're planning. Right now, we're in the uh, beginning stages, uh, estimating a year to go through what we'll call the entitlement phase. Uh, if, in fact, we are going to rework our master plan, the way that we're currently considering, it could take in the in the magnitude of um, six to 12 months to physically develop it, present it to the City of Carlsbad Planning, and get planning. Uh, City Council approval to change our master plan we're estimating the cost between 75 and hundred thousand dollars to do that second phase once we've got our plan approved is going through the plan documentation actually preparing the construction drawings the working drawings for the project we're estimating that to take approximately nine months starting January of 2018 at an expense of about a half a million dollars Overlapping that process for about three months is the plan check. We actually take the working drawings, submit them to the City of Carlsbad, uh, they review them, and ultimately we're successful with uh, obtaining building permits for the project. That cost is estimated in the magnitude of $100,000. Next we see the actual construction work commencing, which would be fall of 2018, the The initial portion of the construction work activity is going to be grading activities and making way to start the first building, which would be the next generation uh, building classroom, looking at about six months for that construction at an expense of $2.6 million. And then right behind that construction, because they both can't be happening simultaneously, is another six months. To, to do the actual expansion of the uh, worship center. So that the total project, <coughs> all of those numbers total, a little over $6 million, and that's the project that's at hand. It seems like uh, a long time to accomplish all of this work, but with the, uh, the fact that we're going to maintain our presence on this property, work around the obstacles of... Uh, Maintaining that operation uh, accident-free with safety is one of our highest concerns. Uh, it's a realistic, uh, in my opinion, it's a realistic cost and time estimate for that work. Thank you. Thank you Jim. Appreciate that.
0: Well, lastly, let me say uh, total cost. We won't need the cash until we secure the construction loan, which they anticipate will be 18 months from now. The cash that we will need, because we will we will put cash down for a little over half of the project, we will finance the balance of the project, we'll add that to our additional debt, our additional mortgage. Uh, we We are fine with a mortgage as long as our mortgage payment is less than 35% of our or excuse me, 30% of our expense budget. We live by principles in our expense budget, so we don't spend more than 40% of our expense budget on payroll. To give you perspective, most churches are between 50 and 60% on payroll. We don't spend more than 30% on facilities. That includes debt services, that includes landscaping, that includes insurance, all of it, all of the above. We don't spend more than 20% on operations, so those are three ceilings, and then we have one floor, which is our giving, and we give a minimum of 10%. So the other areas we can come in well under, like for example, 2017, um, our expense budget for, uh, what's it called, uh, facilities is 30%, and we're actually spending, is it 12.7 or 16.7, Ken? Ken? About 16 17% we're, we're actually going to be spending on facilities, meaning that's an extra 13% of margin we're creating throughout our budget, uh, as well as budgeting 90% previous year income. So the $3.1 million, will f- uh, the, the balance of that finance will fit comfortably within to our expense budget facilities area so that it will not push us over where we should be. We as a church currently, the cash that we have on hand and the cash that we generate monthly over the next 18 months, we anticipate we will be able to generate $1.1 million of the 3.1. And what we're believing God for is the vision gap of $1.9 million over 18 months. And we believe that people on the legacy team, people in the church body, uh, God, they're going to listen to God. And, and God is going to speak to different people to be a part of that $1.9 million, And when we get to the end of the 18-month journey, that the money will be available. We're not going to do a campaign. We're not going to be a fundraiser. We're just going to make the vision known. And we're going to let God speak to people and let God, let God motivate people to do what they're called to do. My wife and I are currently praying. One of the reasons I'm doing the fast this year is so I can hear from God because he's put a few things in my heart on what I'm supposed to do to be a part of this whole project. And, and so we're praying through on kind of what our piece is. And that's all, that's all we're going to do is make the vision available to people and let them pray and seek God and decide what their piece of the puzzle is. And we'll be able to move forward and do it. And again in 18 months if the 1.9 is not available then we'll wait. We'll eventually get to the 1.9 with what we generate every month. Like it may take us 3 years to get there. Um I hope it doesn't, but 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 we we will be very very this is the vision that God has given us. We are going to accomplish this vision. The speed of how it's accomplished is really based on the church. We're going to move as aggressively as possible. I'm going to Fight with Jim every day to try to tighten up all those timelines a little bit, as pastors and construction people do Uh, often. You know, pastors don't like to wait that long for things to be built. We just want to go build it. Uh, So, so just know that me and Jim will be fighting behind the scenes over the next few months to try to move this project along as quickly as, as we're not in Kansas, as we can. But, but. That, that's the vision. I hope it's clear of where we're going. Uh, Steve, Jim, and I will all be available for questions. We've got about 30 minutes before we begin the, uh, our, our 21 days of prayer, 9 a.m. prayer. And so I'm going to pray over you. And then if you have any details, specific questions, please approach one of us, and we will do our best to answer you and help you with whatever information we can. Father, thank you for this team, Lord. I pray that you begin to stir in their hearts as legacy people, Lord. God, what their calling, what their role, what their passion, their purpose, their lane is. Let them be clear about it. Give them clarity about their lane and let them run passionately in their lane because in their lane is provision. There's passion, there's purpose, and God, there's destiny in their lane. So bless them. Thank you for their time to, to hear the vision of what you're doing through this church, God, and continue to bless us, God, We feel this is your vision. We're not trying to come up with a vision and have you bless it. We're trying to get in alignment with what you're doing here. And through a lot of prayer, God, this is where we feel you're going. And and so we're just trying to make it clear for people to see. In the name of Jesus,
1: amen.